This podcast is brought to you by J.C. Licht. With a heritage of 115 years of making it happen, J.C. Licht is your one-stop shop to turn your house into your dream home, delivering the ultimate decorating experience with the world's highest quality paints from Benjamin Moore, Faro and Ball, and fine paints of Europe, just to name a few. Bring new life to your home with custom home decor, wallpaper, window treatments, and more all under one roof. Visit one of J.C. Licht's 19 design centers, which features the largest selection of wallpaper, paint, and decor throughout the Chicagoland area. J.C. Licht, where designers go to make it happen. Welcome, everyone, to Design District, an interior design podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan, with the River North Design District, Chicago's ultimate destination for interior design. And today we're at Mobili Mobile's beautiful showroom in downtown Chicago. And we're talking about everything color. Our special guests today are Emily Trausch, manager of color consulting at JC Licht, Jasmine Reese, principal and founder at Jasmine Reese Interiors, and Mindy Viamontes, partner and architect at M. Viamontes Architecture and Interiors. Welcome, everybody, and thanks for joining us today. Super excited to talk about everything color. Um, Let's, why don't we go around the table and tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and some of the work that you've been doing lately. So why don't we start with you, Emily? Hello, thanks for having me. My name is Emily Trausch. I am the manager of our color consulting team at JC Licht. Uh, for those of you that don't know, JC Licht is Benjamin Moore's largest retailer for paint in the Midwest. We have over 60 locations and 19 design centers. Uh, we have a team of three consultants that go all over the Chicagoland area and help clients pick color in home, which is great. Nobody else offers that yeah. um, in this area for a paint manufacturer or yeah. retailer. That's awesome. And uh, how about you, Jasmine? Hi, everybody. Jasmine Reese here, um, owner of Jasmine Reese Interiors. We are celebrating our 10th year this year. It's very exciting. Cool. Congrats. So it's pretty cool. Um, so we're a color-loving interior design firm, and um, we're actually a color-loving residential luxury interior design firm that delivers confidence spaces. That's kind of our spiel. Um, so just trying to push people into doing bold, confident spaces, uh, one small space at a time. So, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Congrats. <laughs> 10 years. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, last, lastly, um, how about you, Mindy? Hi, everyone. And thanks, Jonathan, for having yeah. me in River North. Um, my name is Mindy Viamontes, and I'm an architect um, and partner at M. Viamontes Architecture and Interiors. It's a practice that my husband and I have founded. Um, we're just about four years old. Um, we are a small boutique firm. Um, there's four of us. Um, our offices are on the south side of the Loop in Chicago. Um, and we primarily do residential design, a little bit of hospitality design as well. Um, and a huge part of our practice and focus is historic architecture. So we do a lot of renovations throughout the city and old historic homes. We love working in late 1800s, early 1900s homes. Um, we also do interiors. So we like to think of ourselves um, as really practicing holistic design. Um, so complete renovations down to coffee table books when um, the client really allows us to do those full services. Awesome. Thanks for sharing. So to kick us off, I have a super open-ended question. Um, what is the most important aspect of establishing a color story or a color palette in the space? Um, and, and perhaps maybe even like, like, how do you approach that? You know, whether it's in historic architecture and design or luxury interiors or, 
you know, all the different types of projects that y'all do at JC Lake. Like, how do you, yeah, what's the most important aspect of it? I can kick us off. Um, I think color is really personal. So I think it's a great question to start with. And it's actually a question that I think even thinking about architecture that we might start with because um, it really helps you get to know the client. It helps you understand, you know, what that space might look like. I think definitely, and I'm sure we'll get into it today, there's ways to push clients above Mm -hmm. and beyond their boundary because I think color is also one of those conversations um, where people do want to be pushed a little bit because it's um, finding something that's maybe outside of their comfort zone. But I think even just getting to know someone and looking at their wardrobe and understanding sort of their personal aesthetic, you can learn a lot about somebody from those color decisions. Yeah, that's so true. And it's so interesting that you say that because when I look at all of us here at the table, we all have very different color like styles, which I'm willing to bet that our homes reflect that somehow. Oh, absolutely. Right? Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah, totally. Yeah, I would say um, just over at JC Licked with our color team, um, something that we do when we go in the home, you know, and we're taking a tour of the spaces, we're getting an insight of the client's personality just with what they have. Maybe they're an art collector or they have a lot of antiques and those would be treasures that they would want to keep. And we start that conversation of like, well, what are you keeping and, and what's going? And sometimes that can be the catalyst of where the color palette will go. Um, we like to take a lot of their personal items and really bring it into the color story and bring it to life and really add to it. Um, And that usually is a a great foundation. It's a little trickier when we go into new builds and they don't have anything on site because then you got to rely on those hard finishes and those materials in home. Um, But if they're already living there, we really get a great understanding of just who they are as a person, what they love, if they travel, if they collect art, if they have an old rug that they are inspired by. um, That's really where we kind of launch that color conversation yeah that makes total sense and what about you jasmine like how do you what do you think is the most important aspect of establishing that color story well we start with our process as a whole style session we have the client whether it's a a single client or you know a couple come in and we go through um, about 60 to 100 images on the screen and we kind of analyze them together it's kind of like my art past you know (laughs) we talk about what people like what they don't like um and i always you know i do try to push people but my thing is um, you push people 10% and that's it. That's their comfort zone. Anything yeah. past that gets weird. But um, some people, you know, they, they come in and they're, they got a chip on their shoulder and, you know, they, they think they're not going to leave with a <laughs> colorful space. But um, we kind of dive deep and couples really learn a lot about each other and that they um, understand how they want to live. So yeah. it's just, you know, it's through image imagery that's so interesting how did you how did you begin that practice that process of exposing your clients to almost like a an image process right like yeah i mean it really is from being in art school i'm a painter um we used to that was my favorite part of class was you know the lights are out and we all kind of zoomed in on the screen and talked about what we all saw and kind of talked about the image and um, it was just fascinating how different people responded to different things. So yeah, Jasmine, I'm a painter and artist too, so I'm oh, super excited dang. to see that. Uh, What's your medium, real quick? Uh, my favorite medium is colored pencil, but I've been okay. really getting into acrylic and watercolor. Okay. But I think having that fine arts background, you're really in tune to just undertone in general uh-huh. with color and how it can so dramatically change in a space. Yeah. And because we've probably had to practice mixing paint colors and like trying yeah. to either replicate a piece that the instructor was like, hey, can you do a version of this? And you 
get really familiar with color and mixing. So you just have this hyper awareness almost of the different values and shades and tints and hues. And yeah. it, it definitely is um, an added benefit I think we, we can have in the design world for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so it's to me, it is interesting to approach it from almost like an emotive and psychological like like approach. Right. So like how do you how do you how do you consider the psychological impact of color when you design a space? Right. Like even when you were sort of talking about your process, Jasmine, and exposing your clients to different imagery, different styles and everything like when you do start to develop that color story, like, is there, do you ever approach projects or do y'all ever approach projects where perhaps you explore color in a way that's going to change the mood of the, or the vibe in an interior, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's because the lighting is different or the location of the room or the spaces, like, yeah, how do you consider that the psychological impact of color? It's interesting because um, I came across a blog about two years ago and it said what not to do and it was hilarious. Um, it was never paint red in a bedroom. And this is a sexy bedroom. I mean, yeah. it was really <laughs> cute. It felt like you were in the middle of the winter in like New England and there was, you know, gold gilt, um, cool, you know, art in the back. And people love this room, but it was what not to do. And it's like, you know, it's personal. Like you said, like Mindy said, it's so personal. You know, people have different reactions. My own bedroom is a hot fuchsia. And when, when I have, you know, white bedding. And so when I lay in bed, like I have a nice like pink glow I feel pretty so yeah. <laughs> everyone's got a different reaction <laughs> I love that you said that Jasmine because I thought my take was going to be very controversial when it came to the color psychology oh. question <laughs> it is so personal yeah and I feel like sometimes learning that background science on color psychology can put people in a box but everybody's you know story of how they've experienced things is different from person to person. So color is ultimately going to make them feel certain things that would be different from the person standing next to them. And I think that's what's super interesting. And, you know, I, I try to take people out of that like psychological box and really dive into who they are and what makes them feel good in a certain space. Yeah, absolutely. And Mindy, how do you approach, how do you and your team approach sort of like color, color story, psychology of color, when it comes to spaces that do have a historical uh, background, because I feel like that in itself already has such a strong story in those spaces, those buildings. So how do you create balance between maybe like a historical aspect with more modern or just, you know, colors that kind of wouldn't be expected as historical color palettes? Yeah, I was actually going to take a step back from that and even think about um, how we approach color in the sense of starting a project as an architect um, in whatever phase that is, whether it's a renovation or it's new construction. And I think even though we don't necessarily have a total vision in the beginning when we're starting the layout of a space for what color it might be, I think we definitely think about transitioning um, mood and the type of space that we do when we're laying things out. So even, you know, interjecting a cased opening in a place where we think would be a great moment in which to have a transition of color, a change of wall covering or mm -hmm. other surface treatment. Um, we think about that really, really early on in the process because I think that that does create space in and of itself when you're changing the mood going from one area to the next. You think of like yeah. an entry foyer, you may yeah. enter into something that's really dark and moody and has a certain vibe and then you open up into the hallway 
um, that has light streaming through and it pours in and you create that volume of space and you create that moment in which you can actually alter the space and change that color. Um, so even before we have a color in mind, we know that we are going to want to define a space differently. And yeah. most often that happens through the use of color. Yeah. Um, in historic spaces, I don't think that that necessarily alters our decisions whether or not we're going, you know, there's so many great examples of, you know, think of a Parisian apartment that's all white and the objects within the apartment really become the color. Um, but there's so many other historic spaces where I think people use bold colors or they use colors that are unexpected. And I think color is actually a really great way. So many places that we work on now that are historic um, the end result is very transitional. It's so we mm -hmm. are maybe detailing the architecture in a very historic way so that it feels seamless with what was there and what was added. Um, but the way in which we're interjecting the interiors so often is very modern. And I think color is a great opportunity in a historic space actually to not lean necessarily to a historical color, but to pick something that's unexpected. Right. Yeah. And you can kind of think of color too, you know, um, like food, right? It's like a, a recipe, like a palate cleanser of a room or like music when you have a zing of a note, you know, you can kind of like think about it different ways. So it's really fluid. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah. Going back to something that you said, Mindy, like, uh, and this is a, a thought question for everybody. Do y'all ever approach um, like design in a space first as a story? So using color to create a journey, a story through that space because I find it fascinating, the the one um, uh, thing that you said, Mindy, about like when you walk in, it might be moody and then the color shifts and so it opens up the space. So do you all ever approach um, color palettes that way and really more creating a journey or an experience? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I would say just for, you know, when you're color consulting, something that we often try to, um, you know, have a conversation with, with with our clients is really in our world the paint color should be chosen last but you could be building your color palette through your furniture and your artwork and your your decor and your furniture um, the paint color is really what ties that vision together you know something that people don't always often think is there's thousands of paint colors you'll always find a paint color that can tie something together. It's those materials that you're gathering where your color options are probably a lot more limited. So you should be picking those first. You should be developing that color story in that way, then tie in your paint color. But you guys might have a different well, <laughs> take or feeling on that. Kind of going back to the style session, you know, it's not just about looking at the images and, and talking about the interiors and those. It's, it's about really finding out what people want. So a few years ago, we had clients that were both surgeons. They both, you know, were like ships in the, in the night. They both kind of just passed each other by. And, you know, we were going to design their living room and their whole entry and dining room. And um, after the style session, they realized we don't want TVs anywhere on this first floor. We just want, we want a music room, we want to jam out, you know, when we were <laughs> together. We, you know, we made this like really beautiful emerald green, you know, high gloss room for them with a the piano. And, and it's uh, exactly the same way from two years ago. They, they, you know, play piano, they play guitar in there, they hang out, they read. And it's like, that's what you're creating for people. Yeah. You know? yeah. I want to be in that space. It sounds <laughs> great. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, Talk about so, a sexy space. Yeah. yeah. You, and, you know, you're helping people, I mean, I mean, kind of helping people figure out how they're going to live a little bit, you know? Yeah, so. absolutely. Have y'all ever had a, a project or a client where they had a very specific need? Like, I want the color story, the color palette to revolve around this 
sofa or this table or this yes. accessory or something <laughs> like yes yeah I have one recently that is is kind of fun um I had a client I was helping virtually and he sent me a picture of his living space it's a small studio apartment it's actually probably just a few blocks from here um he loves color I mean like vivid neon color he had it in his decor it was his furniture um and now he wanted to try it out in a wall like a wall color setting and he was looking at a Benjamin Moore color uh it's literally called bright yellow and it is because it is bright yellow it is traffic light yellow and i i had a conversation with him of like you know you can still have a very bright yellow without it being so harshly intense and once i started showing him options that were still considered very vivid they were just a little bit more toned down and not quite as alarming when you look at it yeah. he was like oh my gosh this actually ties in my artwork better interesting and it was such a positive experience of just kind of showing him what his other options were i think his default was like i need the brightest yellow i can find <laughs> and that just you know it wasn't needed in in his current space yeah have y'all ever worked on projects that required integrating like specific cultural influence with influences through color choices um, or like a, a specific building or client that perhaps like required that aspect? I can say yes. And I brought a cheat sheet with me today. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> because it is so specific and I know I'm going to totally pronounce this incorrectly. Um, but we had a client who brought on a home consultant and oh, wow. it's specific to this technique called Vastu Shastra, Interesting. And which is referred to as the yoga of architecture. Vastu Shastra. Shastra. I, cool. <laughs> <laughs> now, is that relative to like feng shui consultants? It, it's very similar. So it's a Hindu based practice um, and it really, you know, a lot of. What they say um, is kind of logical in a certain sense. Um, so, you know, for example, they say like earthy colors, brown, beige, yellow, hmm. these colors stand for the earth and they give the sense of sensibility. They're good for bedrooms and common areas. Um, it talks about like watery colors, fiery colors, airy colors. So it's kind of, um, it's like a mix of feng shui and, yeah. um, and yoga in some ways, um, and it really kind of, it talks about how to set the mood for certain spaces, but then there's also certain colors that you can and can't use in certain spaces. Mm. Um, so it was definitely an educational experience for us as well. I was glad that there was a consultant on board um, who could kind of guide us through what colors we should be using in certain spaces to help create the mood. Really interesting. Yeah, and, and that makes me think about like, how you create a balance between more subtle tones and perhaps even bringing in bolder or more vibrant tones. Like, how do y'all approach that? How do you approach striking that balance between the two? I find that um, with color consulting, and maybe this is just my own personal opinion, but I feel like it's kind of a good perspective to have when you are helping clients specifically with paint color. Mm -hmm. um, 
I'm someone that loves finding those in-between colors. Maybe not a perfectly pure red, but like a brown that has red undertone. You know, having that beautiful, peaceful, calming green that has blue notes to it rather than just doing a green. And I find that when you find these really unique colors that can't be placed in a certain box or category... Mm it makes the space more interesting yeah. because it can't be defined. And it I think that's what gives it a very like independently unique take and personality in that space. Yeah. Um, that's my thought on it, but <laughs> you can also um, help people without they even taking out, you know, paint and putting on the wall, literally get a shoebox, paint the shoebox, all, you know, the walls, the ceiling, everything, every part of it. And then do a little cutting of some fabrics and then light it different ways. Oh, that's ways. cool. That and is a really neat idea. It's kind of like a little shadow box situation yeah. where they can kind of see it and explore it. And maybe you have a few different colors, you know, and um, it kind of lets them emotionally attach to the, to the yeah. colors, you know? Yeah. That's interesting. It's like, you're almost creating a little bit of a vignette mm-hmm. with the different, the entire color palette, right? Yeah. I was really impressed a few years ago. I did a project with this architect and he mocked up the entire kitchen with cardboard and, you know, life-size cardboard. And it was just really great. And I just wanted to go in and like jump on it, but, um, it was just fun to really experience it, you know, uh, live like that. Yeah. So. I love that. <laughs> I, I also love the thought of in between colors. That is such a color theory like approach because I, I I agree that the in-between colors is what starts to tie, it ties strong colors together, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of in the different ranges. So like those super dark like slates and blacks and with the more like warm tones and cold tones. So that's really interesting. Yeah. Do y'all find that those in-between colors also like um, you explore those through like finishes or textures or even furniture? Does that, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. We stain a lot of wood blue and green and, you know, just letting people try to, you know, go past just the, the standard wood finishes. So, yeah, that makes sense. I'm, and I'm, I'm curious about, you know, have y'all had clients request a color that is notoriously difficult? Like very, I'm looking at your jacket, which is a very <laughs> vibrant, like yeah. beautiful, fun, bold, right? <laughs> yeah. But when I think about like, you know, interior design, there's got to be colors that are hard to incorporate. Yeah, right? I mean, this. I've worn this jacket and people were very offended, you know. I love it. I think <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's fun, but it's not for everybody. Um, I This one lady, she didn't mean to say it, but I was like, is there any colors you hate? She's like, chartreuse. I was like, okay, <laughs> I'm not worried, you know. But yeah. there's another lady. We did our whole laundry room in it, you know, floor to ceiling. So, you know. This episode is brought to you by Chicago Gallery News. Founded in 1982 as Chicago Gallery News, today's CGN is a central source for information about the area's art galleries, museums, events, services, and news. CGN aims to be a clear, accessible regional guide to the visual arts as well as a community resource. Visit CGN for more information at chicagogallerynews.com. Um, and Mindy, I'm curious, like when you approach uh, architectural design and even exteriors of buildings, how do you create a color story mm. even in the exterior of a building that then, may, whether it influences or creates maybe like the springboard to the rest of the color story inside a space? How do you approach that? Yeah, I think that's interesting. Um, I would say we definitely do approach it holistically in a lot of ways that the exterior does springboard into the interior, whether I'm thinking of a project we recently did where it was a lot of, and not to say we were introducing like 
bright, elaborate colors on the exterior, but like the sort of warm taupe palette that then became that neutral undertone mm -hmm. that continued throughout the house. Um, and then, of course, we interjected color in the interior, but that neutral was sort of that um, thread that bound through the entire project. Um, but I don't think that that has to be the case, especially in historic homes. I think so often we're given our exterior, so we don't mm -hmm. necessarily have a choice on what that is versus what leads you into the interior and how um, that color story works together. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Are there any um, current perhaps like trends or things that y'all are seeing um, popping up more just in the world of design or in culture that are related to color that you've seen incorporated a lot more in spaces? I would say an anti-trend. So I feel like an anti-trend, people are going away from gray. I think we're seeing a lot more people embracing yes. color. And I don't think when we say color too, we can think about all of the many shades of white yeah. and taupe and neutrals. It doesn't have to be a bright, vibrant color. But I think for so long, we were seeing everybody in these shades of gray um, and I would say we're moving away from that. And I think we're also kind of expanding what people think of as a neutral. So similar to what Emily was saying, like these sort of shape shifter colors um, that are like subtlety, like have hints of color as undertones, but are more of a neutral. I think we're seeing more of those being considered neutrals through the space and allowing us to maybe introduce color um, in a more holistic way than before. It's not necessarily pops because we can use it much more throughout. Um, kitchens would be a great example of like, you know, the white kitchen previously that was kind of lots and lots of stark white kitchens. We're not seeing that as much anymore. Yeah. I think mm -hmm. the white kitchen now is, again, going back to so many shades of white, um, like a nice warm taupey something that has warmth to it mm -hmm. yeah. um, that creates space and isn't so cold. Um, but we're seeing a lot of clients really embrace color in their mm -hmm. kitchens and painted cabinets and pretty yeah. bold and vibrant colors as well. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Because I, I do think that there was like this like neutral tone sort of like like everybody was incorporating that somehow. Right. For a while there but i agree it almost seems like it's not maybe going into this maximalist realm but i do see color just um people embracing it a lot more just in different combinations and textures so why do y'all think that is if you think about trends and how they kind of cycle through themselves i feel like a, a trend that lasts a while i think can last like 10 years or more mm -hmm. and if you think about this kind of gray and white trend We've been seeing that for quite some time now, and I actually think it's just the natural order of things that we start to shift of what we want to start seeing in spaces. And I think with, you know, such a heavy presence of social media, when it comes to design, everybody's like looking at different people they follow and designers, and they're getting inspired by these beautifully staged, brightly colored or boldly colored spaces. They're like, wow, what a beautiful moment that space has. I want that in my right. home. And I think that plays such a huge difference of why people are being a little bit more brave when it comes to color and where they want to apply it. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you think the COVID played into that? The fact that we're spending so much more time at home and it created this moment of yes. people weren't traveling as much, people weren't going out to eat as much, and people wanted to sort of create that experience in their home and totally. I think really relating the fact that 
we go to these places for that experience and we can create that experience. Um, like Jasmine mm -hmm. was talking about this music room for her clients. Mm -hmm. Like why go out to the bar on Friday night? You have that yeah. in your home to enjoy. Exactly. And also noticing people are not stuck with white trim, white doors, white mm -hmm. closets, right? People are painting the trim the same color as the walls or painting it a different color and doing the ceiling a different color. It doesn't have to be, you know, so curated and, and linear like that. So. Yeah. Absolutely. Speaking of white, um, I feel like there's like a bajillion different shades of white, right? And finishes. Is there a, a, a predominantly just safe sort of like crowd pleaser shade of white and finish that works really well in general for most, if not, yeah, for most spaces? In my world with paint, it is so dependent on lighting. Yeah, I mean, I'd agree. It, it really, like, you wish there could be that blanket answer. And I'm sure for a lot of people, there probably is. You know, if people who are familiar with Benjamin Moore colors are going to say white dove for everything. <laughs> but really, it matters about, like, the sun exposure of a space. I mean, mm -hmm. there's so many nuances with lighting. You know, northern and, and uh, southern exposure, or northern and uh, eastern exposure tends to be very cool toned. Uh, you know, south and western tends to be warmer and even those are very nuanced so when you take a color especially something like white which is so reflective and is so dependent on the lighting of a space you can really start to see those subtle undertones and you know then you bring in white finishes like a countertop or a cabinet and if you're if you are selecting white for the wall there's so much to consider there and unfortunately i just don't have that blanket answer of, <laughs> you need to do this white uh it's very dependent on the environment and the, and the situation yeah that makes sense are there any sort of like don'ts when it comes to different colors and maybe even paint colors like things that you typically like tell clients to maybe like stay clear from like stay away from or no uh, you know it again it's so situational and yeah. it really depends on the person you are going to have those clients even like the one I was referring to with the bright yellow that just love vivid intense colors and then you have some people who are so timid and meek with colors mm -hmm. that doing a color scares them and they want to stick in that neutral palette um, I think something that we you know going to trends of what we're seeing yes we're all agreeing that grays and whites might be you know shifting onward or out um but i think a good um something to to tell people is you know maybe stay away from like what looks like the traditional builder's white maybe oh, have a right. little bit more depth in that white having a little bit of a touch of cream a little bit of warmth maybe even having just that dash of grays to it i think gives it a little bit more life so it's not so stark i think that would just be the one thing that would come to mind for me but again it's so situational yeah absolutely. i would say white is maybe one of the hardest colors though totally. to pick yes. really for all the reasons that you mentioned the fact that it does change so drastically depending on the light in the room um but i think there's a very subtle balance between having the warmth to it and then it being too yellow or too totally, pink yeah. or too gray um, because the, it is such a subtle shift between those tones. So I think finding that right white is equally as important as any other color that you select totally. for the room. Yep. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and Jasmine, you know, when it comes to like exploring those different um, color styles, you mentioned something earlier that, that I want to circle back to. Do you ever have clients and maybe even couples where, you know, Two people have totally different color styles, totally different 
ways of expressing color stories in their homes. And how do you navigate those conversations? You got to give everybody a win for sure. right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, you got to know that they're hurt and they have a yeah. win and, you know, give that good eye contact when you're letting them know that you're paving the way for them in that situation. But maybe uh, one person can get the wallpaper that they love on the ceiling and then the other person get the, you know, the paint color on the walls that lets the artwork that they both love also go on top of the walls, on top of the paint, but it's a balance, you yeah. know, so you gotta, you just gotta help them both out. Yeah. I think I <laughs> joked about this last time I was on the podcast is we, we joke as color consultants that we're part-time marriage counselors. <laughs> yeah. We have seen many disputes and ugly arguments and we just yeah. try to be that mediator. And I think you, you worded it but so wonderfully, it Jasmine, like yeah. give yeah. someone a win. Yeah. Yeah. And like, yeah, let make sure they're heard and yeah. see both sides of it and then try to kind of meet in that middle ground. Yeah. And it's funny because, you know, when people kind of really get to it and get at it you, you want to walk away but actually just just deal with it just let them say what they need to say you're in a safe space right um and you know like let it let it all on the table and then we can go forward so yeah that's how i feel absolutely <laughs> um going back to uh talking about art are there any, for y'all are there any specific um uh wall colors paint colors that work best in displaying art and I ask this because I've actually most recently went to the MoMA and they had uh, a few different galleries that had um, like very warm, like sap green as the paint. But then on a different floor, they had like a very cool, soft, like almost like cerulean blue of sorts. Mm -hmm. And that honestly, that blew my mind because I'd never seen that amount of color displaying artwork. So is there a methodology behind it or is it really more about the art and using color that complements the display of it? I think it depends on how serious the client is of wanting to elevate the art. Um, I think the default answer could be you could just do a gallery white, and mm -hmm. if it's a very colorful piece of art, it'll really shine. The color speaks for itself. If you find that person who wants to be adventurous and really bold and pull something from that or maybe using a complementary color to showcase it, that's going to just be very dependent on the client's personality. Not everybody's going right. to want to be that bold. And, and um, you know, it just really depends and it's situational. And then I think it would then involve what's happening with the decor and the furniture and the interior. Mm -hmm. um, I would ask you, did those were those colors you saw, were they in the artwork or were they not at all relative to the artwork? They really weren't. No. Mm. I mean, it was yeah. very different it, for me. I, it just... I was very surprised, um, especially because the style, the the green uh, gallery room had like very old impressionist style artwork, like um, very historical. And so I just felt like that was a very bold move to have that color display that more historical artwork versus maybe having like very modern and contemporary art. So that's why I was curious because I, I don't I feel like the the safe way to do it has always just been like white yeah, like a soft white. eggshell nothing too shiny fancy right like just very subtle so that your art can sing like it can just like you know be the focal point and so it was just it was very different they might have been tapping into that color psychology like they wanted yeah. you to see that green to kind of feel like a serene maybe even like a, a sense of yeah. nature which was very prevalent with impressionists and then you get to the more contemporary section with the cerulean blue and that's a totally different mood and totally. vibe yeah. So that could be yeah. why. <laughs> yeah, interesting. 
Recently, we um, did a kitchen. We, I mean, we kept the cabinets, but we painted the cabinets black. We painted the walls black, the ceiling black. Um, and and then we did. We had a local graffiti artist just tag the the backsplash, and then he tagged the front of the island, and it just felt made, made the space feel so much bigger than it than it was. You know, just yeah. like completely, um, it felt like three times bigger than it was. And we had the lighting, you know, aimed at where you're going to be using it, so it wasn't that dark, even though everything was black. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's interesting. So, yeah. So I do have another another question since we've been talking a little bit about about paint in general. Um, how do you introduce color into a space where perhaps painting is off the table? And I'm thinking about you know renters and people that maybe even perhaps are um, have you know trim that they you know you can't paint or just different um, parts of your home where it really doesn't make sense to, to to paint right. So how do you introduce color into those spaces? If you're going to look at me, I'm going to tell you, be a rebel. I've been a renter most of my life and I painted anyway. Um, And, you know, um, so paint is not, it's not a tattoo. That's so just paint it back. Otherwise you can use um, a peel and stick wallpaper or you could uh, tack up a tapestry. There's plenty of ways to, you know, cover some square footage without getting the old paintbrush out. But what about for those of us that are super lazy and hate painting back (laughs) walls like (laughs) like how do you incorporate like you know more character and more color and I mean I guess like you could do it through furniture right or accessories but like what's a great way to sort of like an easy easy way to start exploring that well the room removable wallah removable wallpaper is super easy to just peel back off and that can you know you can get a hundred bucks you know eight by ten wall pretty much Yeah. yeah and that's Bam. I mean, that's going to just Easy. really fill the room. All right. Yeah. I have to look into that. I, <laughs> I haven't seen. Come to GC Lick. We've got some really great peel and stick options. So <laughs> really? It's, yeah, it's really cool. And then you can just get a sample of it and, and stick the sample on just to see okay. where you'd want to move it or hang it. And there's a lot of really interesting options out there. Can you do that in, in like primary baths, though? I mean, like with the humidity and just because I feel like that's a very different type of space, right? Would it affect the wallpaper? I would have to defer that question to my my coworker Zach Pruitt, who's been on this podcast <laughs> yeah. a lot. He would definitely have more insight than me. But um, mm. I don't know, Jasmine, if you've had experience yeah. putting it up because I've gotten that question. Even I mean, before it's gonna too. peel, but after a year, but you're gonna probably get to move anyway. So just do it. <laughs> yeah. Right? That's true. yeah, that's true. I mean, <laughs> so who cares? If you're renting, you're not gonna know. You're not gonna care if it's peeling a teeny bit in the corner. Yeah, got it. You so know? let's just be rebels <laughs> and say, you know. Yeah. Plus, you can wrap that stuff on appliances and on, like, you know, on on furniture. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it does bring up an interesting thought around because I feel like, I mean, I've seen grass cloth wallpaper, which is dimensional. Right. And I and I even think sometimes, depending on how the light hits it, it can shift a little bit of the color and the experience that there. So when you're thinking about color and creating a multidimensional experience, like, what are some of the things that, that y'all explore with your clients? Like, is it textures? Is it patterns? Is it maybe even like how light interacts with different furniture to, to change the color story throughout the day? Like, how do y'all approach that? And what have been maybe perhaps a project that has been interesting? I would say um, if we're going back to the example of paint, so often um, we 
will paint trim, will paint doors, will paint the ceiling, the walls, all the same color. And I think we think about what is the sheen that we're applying to that and how um, does a flat ceiling against a matte wall and a semi-glass trim, how does that start to create dimension? But I think that next level of dimension is how do you maybe then also introduce, let's say, a grass cloth wall covering that might be in that same tone or a fabric in that same tone. Um, I do, Jonathan, though, I'm going to I'm going to go back to the last conversation as an architect and a purist. I think the conversation of not painting a space, um, I think equally we can think about um, beautiful, historic, white. Let's think of that, you know, early 1920s Parisian apartment that's all white. There might be other reasons not to paint other than just being a renter, you know. um, Yeah probably your average renter is not living in a beautifully architecturally significant (laughs) Parisian apartment with moldings that they want to highlight all Mm -hmm. in white. Um, But I think when we think about just the materials and the architectural features in a space down to your stone countertops and your hardwood floors and your beautiful rugs and your artwork and your fabrics and all of those things that just layer into a space and both add dimension um, but are also really great opportunities within a space to add color um, that doesn't necessarily have to be color on the walls. So I think that there's still really interesting ways um, to create a multifaceted, colorful space um, that might have all of this dimensionality to it, but still has white walls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, so you can, you know, upholster your headboard, you could, you know, do an entire wall just full of fabric that offers pattern and color and texture. And, um, you could, you know, make them in a grid formation so you could take it with you if you wanted to. Uh, we talked for a quick second about upholstered doors that could be really fun. So it's a way, yeah. So you can, um, upholster your door to your condo. You can upholster your door to your bedroom, to your library. I mean, it's just, it's, um, just adding texture and, um, you know, just really interesting and beautiful. Yeah. What kind of fabrics do have you used or done on upholstered doors? Because honestly, I've never heard of that before. Yeah. We just did a library in Evanston with crocodile leather and it was beautiful with like bale heads and everything. That's cool. Yeah. And then for this place in uh, Glenview, uh, we did a, um, a lilac painted door and then on top of like, so just the perimeter was lilac and the the interior was a velvet. It was a beautiful jewel tone, uh, multicolor, like flower pattern. It was really, really pretty yeah are there any um like specific types of fabrics that you feel like as they kind of like gain character or kind of you know age with you throughout the years that sort of like i don't know the color sort of shifts in a beautiful way right like i don't know if there's anything specifically that you've used or that you've seen that has that sort of like interesting character behind it Yeah, for sure leather i mean just the oils from your fingers yeah. and you know everything just kind of adds that patina but also velvets that are dyed all the way through another way you just you take a fabric and you you curl it and you see if it's you can see the white body on it yeah. then you know oh it's not great but if it's you fold it and you it's, it's color all the way through yeah. it's like this is a real nice like yeah. velvet you know yeah totally so, yeah mm-hmm. that's interesting going back a little bit to the uh multi-dimensional um ch- conversation or piece that we were just talking about are there any specific like um, types of wallpaper that that y'all have either used or they're interesting that have brought in another level of dimensionality through color? Because I've even seen artists that make bespoke wallpaper, 
right? That use very unique either color palettes or even color palettes that complement a space, right? So have y'all had any specific projects or worked on something where wallpaper and color there just brought that extra level of dimension? Yeah, Assemblage, which is a Holly Hunt here in Chicago, represents them, comes to mind. Um, it is bespoke and it's actually, it's a, kind of think of it as artwork painted directly onto the wall covering. There's actually really specific rules that you have to install it within a certain time period of when it ships. Um, but I think that there's a lot of, there are opportunities out there for those hand-painted wall coverings yeah. Um, yeah. that are essentially turning your wall covering into art. Definitely. We love Tamora's Beasties. They're out of London and um, they have one called Kaleidoscopic Splat. And it's just, I mean, it's just so, such pure color and it just has so much energy to it. Um, we also used one of their wallpapers in a residential elevator. So oh, it was all, cool. it was like just bees. So you just walk in and it's just like all around <laughs> yeah. you is bees. And so it just has a feeling, you that's know, awesome. so really fun, really fabulous papers. Yeah. yeah at JC Licked, we sell uh, Pharaoh and Ball wallpaper and they're also handmade. So it's not like a print machine. They're each role that they create is done by hand. There's a, a physical person, you know, rolling the color on. And what's really cool about, you know, working with a Pharaoh and Ball wallpaper you, you now know that you'll have that coordinating paint color to go perfectly with it because they oh, really yeah. do use that same system of color. So they go hand in hand in, uh, with each other so beautifully. So that, that they're such a great pairing together. And great yeah. for historic properties Absolutely. too. Absolutely. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, that's interesting. Looking at the other side of the spectrum, going from wallpaper to stone, has there been any um, interesting experiences or projects where you've had to incorporate an interesting color palette of stone into whether it's like a primary bath or a kitchen. Um, and how did y'all navigate that? Um, like for me, I've, I've even seen ombres in tile work, which I think is super fascinating and different. So um, I'm curious, yeah, to hear if, if y'all have worked on anything interesting like that. Yeah, I love incorporating, obviously the architect in me loves incorporating architectural materials that are beyond just paint um, into our walls, whether that be a beautiful tile um, or there's so many great stone options out there. So often our color story actually does start with a hard material like mm -hmm. a stone or a tile that we find first and then sort of create the entire color palette around that. Yeah, that's interesting. Is there a specific way that you approach, um, though, like projects like that from a historical point of view? Like, it, like I guess what I mean is in order to maintain like historical accuracy and the mm. integrity of the space or the home while still bringing in some interesting color depth. Yeah, I don't know. I think, you know... Not so much maybe with tile, um, but so many of the stones that I feel like we're seeing make a comeback now um, it have a very, very long history of being around. I'm envisioning like a beautiful pinky limestone mm -hmm. or some colors that, um, you know, verde, like bright mm -hmm. greens and deep, um, like maroon red stones that... Um, you know, you traditionally would have seen a hundred years ago. I feel like you're starting to see a lot of those in revival. So checkerboards making yeah. such a huge comeback <laughs> yep. too mm -hmm. with stone and oh, tile. Yeah. Yep. I'm, I'm here for it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, okay. And I do want to ask one last question before um, we kind of start to wrap up. If then let's go around the table. If you could have one color represent you specifically oh. as a creative, as a designer, what would that color be? 
Jonathan, you can't do this to us. <laughs> <laughs> We're creative minds. We love color for so many different reasons. I, I don't even think I could pinpoint. I, you know, I... I, I mean, I, I gravitate towards such a range. And I think, you know, I, I kind of touched on this earlier, the in-between colors. Yeah. Those are the ones that are always going to captivate me. It doesn't matter what color family that belongs into. If it's kind of got a whisper of everything to it, that's what I'm going to be intrigued by. Um, whether that's like a blue with some gray or green or, you know, um, a yellow that's got a splash of like an olive chartreuse. Uh, you know, that's that's what's for me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What about you, Jasmine? Um, I guess my, my apartment, you know, is, is really great. My bedroom's a fuchsia. The rest, the entire rest of my condo is Wedgwood blue. Because I love Wedgwood. I'm going to eventually do cool. white moldings everywhere. In my, love that color. You know, and so, and then the, the bedroom uh, flooring is cobalt, you know. So it's like fuchsia, cobalt, Wedgwood blue. I just love those kind of jewel tones. Yeah, I love that. So, yeah. And you, Mindy? <laughs> I personally really love a dusty rose, which I feel like oh, is also a, yes. a color that's making yeah, a comeback um, and really has a historic undertone to it. Um, but I also really love, you know, these deep, dark, moody, we're going to call them blacks, yeah, but that have maybe a deep, dark green undertone or a navy undertone or even a purple undertone that in at night may just look like black. Um, but when the yeah. sun hits it just right, you really see almost like a pure color come yeah, out of that. I love yeah. that. That speaks to me. Black is my color. Like moody tones, black, mm -hmm. sap greens, like dark blues. That's my jam. Mm -hmm. The moodier, the better. <laughs> um, well, there you have it. You know, I think, you know, the in-between colors are, are, should be all the rage. That's where you can really explore. Uh, Vastu Shastra, so interesting. Definitely look it up and uh, be a rebel. Paint those walls. Just say F it and do it. <laughs> um, so I want to thank, again, Emily Troush, Manager of Color Consulting at JC Licht, Jasmine Reese, Principal and Founder at Jasmine Reese Interiors, and uh, Mindy Viamontes, Partner and Architect at M. Viamontes Architect Architecture and Interiors. Um, thank you again for being on the podcast and I'd love for y'all to uh, share with our listeners how they can connect with you, follow your work, your projects. Um, so yeah, let's start with you, Emily. Yeah, you can follow us uh, at JC Licked on Instagram. We're always posting fun things, inspiration, mood boards, all kinds of stuff there. Um, check out our website, jclick.com. And if you're interested in having a, a color consultant come out, you can sign up there and get scheduled. Awesome. Um, so you can go to Jasmine Reese Interiors on Instagram and it kind of shows the day to day. But if you want to sign up for a consult, we just had a fabulous redo on our website, jasminereeseinteriors.com. Love it. And Mindy? And you can also follow along on our Instagram at m.viamontes underscore arc, or you can go to our website at mviamontes.com. Awesome. Thanks for being here. And uh, this has been Design District. Design District is brought to you by J.C. Licht. With a heritage of 115 years of making it happen, J.C. Licht is your one-stop shop to turn your house into a dream home, delivering the ultimate decorating experience with the world's highest quality paints from Benjamin Moore, Farrow & Ball, and Fine Paints of Europe, just to name a few. Bring new life to your home with custom home decor, wallpaper, window treatments, and more, all under one roof. 
visit one of JC Lick's 19 design centers, which features the largest selection of wallpaper, paint, and decor throughout the Chicagoland area. JC Licked, where designers go to make it happen.